You're listening to New Age Hipster Radio, home of spiritual rambles and high vibe combos. Always dogma free and a totally cool place to be. You can head to newagehipster.co for more spiritual awesome sauce. But for now, here's your host, Bix. Hey, gorgeous souls. Welcome to another episode of New Age Hipster Radio. Today on the show... I have a very special guest, Sasha from Starbound Earthseed, and this was really fun conversation. You may know already that I identify as a starseed and I love all things galactic energy, galactic guides, visiting different star systems. I am like so here for all of that stuff and uh, Sasha is she is just a wealth of knowledge. Um, She has been studying all things Starseed, Galactic Connections for a really long time. Uh, She is just super knowledgeable and she's had so many amazing experiences that she shares in this podcast. Um, So if you are Starseed curious or if you're somebody who perhaps already really vibes with the whole Starseed thing and you just want to hear like our experiences and our takes on it, then this one is for you. This is kind of a long one. <laughs> um, we were kind of trying to wrap up about an hour mark and then there was like, there's so many things I still wanted to ask Sasha and talk about. Uh, so make yourself comfortable, go make a tea or listen to this on the go when you've got a long commute or maybe listen to it in parts. Um, but however you're listening, wherever you're listening, I hope that this serves you. I hope that it's interesting and that you really um, enjoy listening to me and Sasha talking about our experiences and our thoughts on all things starseeds and hi Sasha hey Bex how are you (laughs) I'm so good I'm so excited for this conversation me too I'm like I've been looking forward to it for weeks I'm not gonna lie (laughs) it's the chance that Um, about this stuff me too I feel like there's I don't know there's so there's so much that I feel like we could talk about today and I'm just really excited to bring through some stuff from you about starseeds galactic guides all of that stuff which is kind of like even in the spiritual community now it's like oh unicorns are cool angels are cool but aliens like what now you've gone too far um so I'm really excited about just like shedding some light onto this for for the listeners and just kind of um sharing like our stories and what all of this means to us so yay I'm so glad you're here yay yeah I honestly feel like this topic while it may feel taboo on the surface still it's actually a lot more in my experience like there are a lot more people who are open to it than we might think and I feel like it's kind of like this star seed like typical personality trait to feel like we're the only ones <laughs> like we're the, we're the only ones in the universe that like feel this yeah. way or like have this connection yeah um, I think there are going to be a lot more people listening who resonate than feel off put by it. Yeah. I'm feeling that too. I feel that in a big way. I remember like a few years ago when, um, this is like quite a few years ago now when I was probably at uni, like maybe 10 years ago, I kind of first heard the word starseed and I was like, Ooh, (laughs) like what's this? Like this really like resonated with my soul. But at that time there wasn't, there was information out there, but I remember reading the book, um, I'm just looking on my bookshelf to see if I can see it. I think it's just called The Star People. 
Um, and someone recommended that I read that book and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so me. Um, but now it feels like there's so much information out there and so many more people talking about this stuff, which is so cool. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a lot more open than it used to be. And especially with like the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The age of Aquarius brought on such a wave of new technology and like anyone can go and start a blog and start channeling and start, you know, if their inhibitions are not, if they're not inhibited, you know, by like the idea that like only certain people can channel, which we can talk about that, you know, only certain people can be stars and all that stuff, you know, anyone can get access to this information and anyone can start to gain these relationships with cosmic beings yeah i think there's like um personally i feel like there's pros and cons to the the fact that anybody can put anything out there (laughs) especially no absolutely um especially around all of this stuff because there's some interesting information out there that some of that i really resonate with but i have to admit like probably i don't know most of it i don't most of most of the time when I Google like oh like beings from um, the Pleiades, most of the time the stuff that comes up in searches is like mm, maybe <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that is one of the things I wanted to chat about with you in terms of when we're ready for the galactic connection, because I feel like it makes sense that now is the time when more and more people in the spiritual community are awakening to the idea of star seeds and galactic guides. Like we're opening up higher and higher chakras and we're, I don't know, just becoming more global in our awareness and therefore like the galactic awareness is opening up too. But at the same time, you have to have so much discernment and such a grounded sense of being to work with these energies in a way that is constructive for your growth. Oh my goodness. I was like, yes, yes, girl. <laughs> so much yes to that. Yeah. Because I know I know loads of people who have kind of tried to work with galactic beings and then just like got really scared and freaked out. <laughs> it was like, oh no, that's not for me. Yeah, which is yeah. that that's happening. It's not. And it's also you see a lot of the very human tendency to want to categorize everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you get into like oh what does it mean to be pleiadian what does it mean to be syrian you know like who are the reptilians like all of this stuff there's a lot of opinions out there um and from my perspective it's good to just get your toes wet and then like totally dive in and see what's there but then get out of the pool and start to like discern how that felt like feel into you know what was fear-based and what actually feels like it could be true for you because if you are the kind of person who and there's a lot of folks out there like this I've been told I'm really not I've been told I'm quite discerning and logical even though I don't feel that way sometimes but there are some people who like totally take whatever they read as truth and when it comes to this kind of this side of the spiritual community it blends into so much else like people there are people out there who believe in aliens and conspiracy theories and all this dark stuff from you know 
you know, conspiracies about our government and who's really running the government and all that stuff that isn't inherently spiritual, but you can tap into that in your research even if you didn't really mean to, and you have to know where to draw your line. Yeah, that's so important. And that's such a big reason that I always say to people, like, especially when you're starting out on the spiritual path, like work on your own energy before you do anything else. Like before you start talking to even angels or your guides or whatever, like work on yourself and make sure that you have yourself grounded and that you're clear and you know how to protect your energy because then when you start to kind of explore all these other amazing things that are out there you have that ability to discern like what is true for you and what isn't so important so let's get into like our personal experiences like what were the cosmic energies that you personally connect with um I, it was really interesting actually, because I always felt like I was from the Pleiades. Like I always had this really, ever since I kind of started to read books and find out about star seeds and all this kind of stuff, I had this feeling that I was definitely Palladian. Like it was just not even a doubt in my mind. It was just like, yes, <laughs> that's my home. That's where my soul is from. Um, that's it for me. And then I had this reading done. It was like an Akashic Records reading. And this woman was like, oh, you're Syrian. <laughs> and I was so angry. So I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm not Syrian. And I, like, I really did. I went into this, this is a couple of years ago now, but I went into this whole thing of like, oh my God, I can't believe she told me that I was from Syria. So like, she doesn't know me. <laughs> like, that's not even true. Um, and I, I emailed her back and I was like, you know, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure about this? Because I really feel like I'm, I'm Palladian. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I guess some people can be both or some people can have experiences in different places and whatever, but I'm pretty sure you're Syrian. And ever since then, I have had like so many other signs that I connect more with the Syrian star system than the Palladies. And the more I learn about um, serious and the more I travel there in meditation and connect with the beings that are from there the more I kind of feel like oh, okay <laughs> like maybe maybe this is more me like I wanted to be Palladian but I'm pretty sure I'm more Syrian but having said that I also really have this um like I really struggle with this whole thing of like oh you're a star seed then you're from one place Oh my God, me too. You feel that It's just like, like if your soul has been around for like a billion years, do you think you're just from like, do you think you only hang out in the Pleiades until you came to earth just then? <laughs> I know. Like I have, since I've identified as a starseed, had such trouble identifying like my starseed makeup. But I've come to the realization that depending on where I am in my journey, different starseed signatures will resonate with me more. And it's not that I'm, it's not even that I'm uncovering more of myself. It feels more like I'm, it's like I'm wearing different cloaks and each step along the journey, I might come into a realization of my Pleiadian connection but then 
that connection, it doesn't die away, but that lesson that I learned from understanding the Pleiades and working with Pleiadian guides steps to the side as I come into more of my awareness of Arcturian energy or my connection to what's happened in Orion and all of that goodness. It feels more like I'm widening my perspective as a soul of how much there is out there Mm -hmm. and to define ourselves by just one or two or three star races feels very limiting and it also it 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 falls into the same category of my like vein of thinking when it comes to astrology like as an astrologer as well as you know the starseed enthusiast you could say like i'm such a proponent of recognizing where all of the archetypes of astrology come into play in our personality not just saying i'm a virgo with an aquarius moon and that's it yeah yeah yeah, I, f- I feel that so much because, you know, I had this whole this whole idea that I'm definitely Palladian and then I didn't want to accept that I could be Syrian. But even when I started to realise, actually, I feel, I and I do, like I really feel like at the moment, like my connection, my Syrian connection is like the most important thing to me at the moment. So right now I would describe myself as a Syrian starseed but I'm totally open to that changing <laughs> and for other connections to come in at different points. Um, Cause you know, maybe before I was connecting with the Syrian energy and I was convinced I was Palladian, perhaps that's exactly the energy I was working with and what I needed at that time. Yeah. And I honestly feel as though that wraps into one of the notes I wanted to make in this episode, which is that it's not about, clumping an entire star race together and having this idea of what all Pleiadians or all Syrians or all whomever are like. Yeah. Have to recognize that like what if we do that, it's the same as if we were asked to describe what all of humanity is yeah. like. like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel that so much. Like when people when people talk about um like Palladians as being like you're all tall with blonde hair. <laughs> like it's a first of all it's a whole star system it's not just like one planet but even if it was one planet it would be like saying that all people from earth are like a cow like that's the one like you know it's like what <laughs> like there's so many different forms of life here that how could you ever describe uh, you know what is an earthling well it's like a million a million billion trillion different things yeah, and I, I think that's so, so important because there's so much information out there that is literally, like, do the starseed quiz and, like, you know, if you said you were blonde with blue eyes, then you're more likely to be connected to the Pleiades, which may be, may be true for some people. Like, that may help you to find that connection. But, um, yeah, it's I personally feel like there's just so much more going on than that. Yeah, and honestly, it feels a bit like, this might sound harsh to say, but it feels a bit bypassy mm-hmm. to just clump everything together and in a way dis- dissociate from our human experience so much that we want to identify with a whole other star race. Yeah. Oh, I'm not human, I'm Pleiadian. Yeah. No, I'm not human, I'm Syrian. <laughs> yeah. 
gotta admit, like I've <laughs> felt that at times. <laughs> and yeah, like I can't say I've personally felt that, but I understand where people who feel that way are coming from because I have felt that sense of, well, I'm not a part of this. Like I'm not either I don't want to be or I genuinely don't feel like I am in this with everybody else. Like it feels so foreign to me, this human experience. But at the same time, a huge part of my galactic journey has been, okay, opening up the connection, you know, filtering through all this information and like researching both online and like, you know, reading Oracle cards is research too, in my opinion. Like when we get in like meditation is research too. It's just a different kind of research. It's like firsthand research to connect with these beings on a spiritual level. We do that, but then we have to come back to the human experience and ground it into our lives. Yeah. Cause as much as we resonate as Stasis, we're also human. We're human first. Like it's not like discovering you're a star seed and filtering through, okay, what kind of star seed energies, what star races do I resonate with most? That's not going to change the fact that in this life you've chose to be human and there's a mission here and we have to get to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think what, one thing that people forget as well is like that when we talk about like galactic energies, we kind of forget that like the planet earth is a like we are galactic exactly this is like we're on a planet as well like if we were on a different planet we would think that we were galactic it's just that we're here (laughs) but it's yeah it's like we're all we're all part of it like it's all part of the same thing yeah yeah so with that in mind i think i want to I want to talk about one of my guides that came through as a galactic guide who came through really strongly in a dream, but the way that they looked was really surprising to me. And I think this is a big key that we can impart on listeners here as to like how to recognize galactic guides because they're not always going to come to you the way that you think that they do. Mm. The one that I'm thinking of well, there's two actually, but one in particular, like literally looked like a normal dude that you would like find on earth. Like he was a black man in a black suit. He had a blue shirt underneath the suit and a red tie. And he had these short dreads. And I knew there was something really special about him when we interacted in this dream. And over time through like tapping into that frequency again, came to me that he was Syrian. And I guess like that really struck me because he seemed like a human. But have you had that same experience where like these galactic guides are actually not that different in appearance than yeah. us? Totally. Um my one of my Palladian guides is he has like a human man form but he's like a blue kind of shiny blue can like (laughs) he's like a shiny blue man um but uh when i go when i go to visit uh this planet that i hang out in in uh, syria sometimes everybody's just like looks totally human and there's like there's really 
I always like whenever I visit these places whether it's in dreams or meditation or whatever the thing that I always kind of notice the most is the different sky like there's always something different about the sky but like a lot of the things that are happening on the on the land on the earth are just kind of like the same kind of things that you would see here it's just that the lighting is different or the colors are different or um you know there's differences like that but my main Syrian guide is like same like he just looks like a normal dude <laughs> yeah and it can be I think that this is a way to assimilate humans who might not precisely be ready to learn that this guide is Syrian to mm. interacting with that energy yeah. because the other example I have is when I realized that one of my guides was Zeta Reticulin which to the layman I guess is like the typical gray alien um, that you see when you like Google alien with like the big buggy eyes and the gray skin, the Zeta reticulans are sort of the ascended versions of what you might Google and find of the grays. Um, they are the original DNA um, of the grays. But when my Zeta Reticulin guide first appeared to me, they were an owl, like a barn owl, shrouded in this like purple black smoke. Mm. And you can see how like the face of a gray alien, a Zeta Reticulin, mm. looks kind of similar to a barn owl, but different enough and recognizable enough for me to have at the time been ready to work with that guide. I feel like there's a whether it's a technology or whether it's just our own conscious perception like it shrouds our perception of these guides until we're ready to know that they're syrian that they're zetas that they're whomever yeah yeah i feel like that's such a um yeah i, I can resonate with that so much and it also kind of makes me think that you know so many of the guides that we're already working with could very well potentially be galactic like galactic beings but they're coming through as you know some other in some other way so that we can well, you know there's no fear like we're we understand and we can work with them in that way yeah i literally had that experience with archangel metatron mm -hmm. i wrote about it on the blog but he essentially, they essentially appeared to me as a Zeta. And I was like, what? And I talk about it more there, but in essence, the experience was such that I learned and came into a fuller realization that this really does happen. Like we evolve our understandings of our ascended masters over time you know lots of people are now recognizing that isis perhaps is an et mm -hmm. and you know all the egyptian gods were perhaps you know interdimensional beings coming through to earth whether physically or in meditation in the masses you know on a spiritual level ancient egypt was such a different time and we were in such a different density i truly believe you know at its peak um yeah that's a whole other topic like talking about <laughs> the history of earth and like yeah i um i resonate so much 
with that because like people talk about angels all the time as these light beings you know like oh they're these beings of light that we can connect with and then people talk about like oh my palladian guides which are these beings of light that i can connect with and it's really it's interesting to me that people haven't like <laughs> people aren't having these conversations like are angels actually just galactic beings that are from different planets or different star systems that are here helping us out and that doesn't mean that they're not messages from from god but it's like you know are we kind of yeah like i don't know i love having these conversations because it helps us to kind of um expand our thinking which i which i feel like is so so important in the well in the world for everyone but especially in the spiritual community because we can close ourselves off to these ideas but i'm with you like i feel like there's so much like there's so much going on um thoth is one of the um one of my syrian guides that i connect to when i when i hang out in sirius and so i definitely feel like a huge egyptian connection with that and there's a place that i go to in sirius um which is a pyramid like it looks like a pyramid like an ancient it feels sort of like ancient egypt but on a different planet which is really pretty cool that is cool i have um oh i kind of want to get into like what all we've explored in terms of like who we've connected with like on a whole because i'm envisioning now a memory of when i first met one of my guides who's She's a, a pink lion. <laughs> she's got, yeah, she's like a hot pink and like her fur kind of like is a little longer than a normal lion's fur, kind of like if she was a long haired cat, but a lion and it shimmers this like sunset orange like glow in the light. And on her third eye, she's got this like blue stone. And when I met her, she's huge, like bigger than Aslan from Narnia. She was in this pink and purple and golden scape, otherworldly scape where there was a pyramid in the background. And I don't feel comfortable saying like exactly where it was. Not that I, cause I simply just don't know. I don't have that knowing yet, but even that precisely is something that is really important on your galactic journey. Sometimes you're not going to know the specifics, but the feeling behind meeting your guide, the feeling behind the frequency matters more than being able to identify that it was Syrian or that it was Andromedan or that it was from Orion. In my opinion, I think we really need to step away from labeling these things because it's not precisely as important as the message that is behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I had a dream like a really long time ago, but it's, you know, those dreams that really stick with you because it was so vivid. Um, and it didn't even really feel like a dream. It felt like I was completely there. Like I traveled to this place. Yeah. It was, um, it was a different planet and there were like two moons in the sky. Like one was quite full and one was kind of like, small and not full um and there were like these domes you know like in russia like the onion dome kind of buildings mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of those buildings there and the colors were like so bright like they had colors that we don't have and i can't i like i can't really even see it in my mind now or like 
describe it, but it was like color, just colors, <laughs> like colors that we don't see here. Um, and it was just this like epic dream. And there, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. But I've, I've asked like so many people over the years, like, where do you think this is? And some people like, you know, never reply because they don't know. Um, some people have said Orion. Other people have said Sirius. Like, I don't think that anybody really knows for sure. And yet I have seen those buildings like on people's um, like starseed art. Like I see people paint the same buildings. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, like I went there. <laughs> I know what, I know that place. But it doesn't seem like anybody knows exactly where it is, but there's this place that people go to. And like you said, like, does it really matter? Like, should we be spending all this time and energy trying to find out, like, oh, what planet was I on? Or should we be, like, asking the question of, like, well, why did I go there? And what am I learning from this? And how is this helping me? That's precisely what I think we're meant to ask, but part of the journey is letting go of needing to ask the former. Like part of the journey is letting go of needing to know. Yeah. I have so much frustration with myself when I have these beautiful dreams and I'm like, I want to know where this is so I can, you know, share it with the world. But at the same time, one, you know, there's something that be said about, you know, okay, do we need to share every experience that we have? Mm -hmm. That's a huge lesson in the Aquarian age. But two, like, would it be less valuable if we shared the essence of the message, the essence of the frequency, as opposed to being able to, in a left-brained kind of way, label the frequency? Mm-hmm. I think a huge reason why galactic frequencies are coming through at this time is because humanity has gotten to a point of being so left-brained and logical and in a way mercurial and, you know, needing to define things in such a way that it doesn't support the actual meat of the message. If we're really meant to know, you know, that it was serious, we would clearly know Mm -hmm. in our heart, in our mind, like we would receive that claircognizantly. If it's not coming through, I don't see any point anymore in, you know, pushing that yeah yeah i literally spent hours like googling <laughs> onion dome <laughs> buildings on another planet <laughs> so, yeah, there's not a lot of good results that come out from that um but i did like I, I put a lot of energy in trying to find out like where this place was and i don't it's yeah it's it's interesting like how we have like that feeling of like I have to know where I was like I need the name and it needs like I need the street map so I can get back there when actually we can get back there all we have to do is you know set the intention to go back there yeah and it lends to a really human it's almost like when we get galactic we recognize how human we really are because part of that tug I feel to know more and like know the specifics comes from a fear of being away from Gaia frequency. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of that can be rectified by doing some proper grounding before we consciously tap into galactic frequencies. And even then, recognizing that we aren't always conscious when we tap into galactic frequencies. I'm talking like dreams, you know, like it comes yeah. through in ways that we aren't always consciously able to control. So having a consistent grounding practice 
not just grounding into your root chakra, but grounding into the frequency of our planet then mm -hmm. puts the, you know, perspective into a galactic perspective and not just a planetary perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm somebody that needs a lot of grounding. <laughs> and one thing that I do pretty much every day now is I visualize, well, I do some work on my earth star chakra, but then I visualize my earth star chakra being connected to like the very center of the earth. And then I know like wherever I go, <laughs> like it's cool. Cause I'm like, I'm so anchored into this planet. Um, which, yeah, gives me, like, a real sense of, like, I can go anywhere and, like, I can just, like, lie down and meditate and send myself straight away to, you know, wherever I want to go. Um, and I can just come back in, like, in a moment. Yeah. Most, most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> it takes practice and it's a daily it's a daily ritual. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, like I'm not perfect at it and you don't have to be perfect at it. But when it comes to wanting to connect with galactic guides, if you're a listener who is like, I really want to meet my Syrian guides, it'll come when it's meant to come for you. And it feels really frustrating to hear that, but it's true. And when you align your frequency with the, if you become the vessel that you need to be to receive these frequencies, their frequencies will come. Yeah. It's about aligning your vibration with the vibration that you want to receive. I agree with that so much because like, you know, I'm always banging on about like energy work, but as soon as I started working on my own energy, like that's when the stuff started coming through. Like before I did that, you know, I did all of the third eye meditations. I was trying to connect with my guides and angels and do all this stuff, but I wasn't really getting anywhere. And as soon as I started like grounding myself, clearing my energy, protecting my energy every day, it just started to happen. Like I didn't have to, to be like, oh, well, I'm going to sit down and <clears throat> I'm going to do this meditation now so that I can connect with my guides. It was like, I just suddenly started to feel their presence and know exactly who they were and why they were around and things like that and I feel like that is for me and so many people I know maybe not for everybody but a lot of people I work with like that is the way in like just kind of being it as you are and starting to you know oh well I'm gonna go to the Pallades today and it's like well <laughs> okay <laughs> but um, it could be, could be worthwhile to kind of like just be where you are first so that you can go and then come back easier yeah and there even can be a bit of a it can be a bit of an ego trip uh -huh. <laughs> to yeah. say like, yeah, I've been to the Pleiades. Like, oh my God, they're all the time. Like, <laughs> so what? Like <laughs> I travel on my galactic spaceship. You know, there's like so much, there's ego in every corner of yeah. the world. And I feel like it particularly almost insidiously can attach itself to the spiritual community yeah. And we have to be that much more aware and careful of it because of that. And not saying like ego is a bad thing inherently, but it can be, you know, something that leads us down a path of selfishness and self-servingness that is not for our highest and best. Yeah, totally. And I think one thing to do is to kind of, you know, if you're interested in connecting with these galactic guides and galactic beings is to kind of ask yourself like why exactly <laughs> like, why do you want to do that is it because it's going to sound really cool in your instagram post <laughs> um because you think it's like you know the next cool thing in spirituality or is it that you know you really resonate as 
Astasi and you really resonate with the idea that we can like, explore different planets and star systems and um, you know maybe find some answers for yourself in those places. Mm. Yeah, That's so true. Yeah. And I I, sorry, I was just going to say, like, I think it's really important, like, with what you said with the ego thing is, like, there's no kind of, like, I think a lot of the time we're like, oh, well, first you do this, first you work with your chakras, then you work with your guides and angels, then you, then you contact galactic guides, like, there's, like, this kind of, you know, oh, this is, like, the advanced stuff, but I think, you know, there are some people who are probably connecting with all of these um, galactic beings, without necessarily even realizing what they're doing. They just have like a really strong connection to this stuff. And then there are other people who are working on other things. And I just wanted to kind of reiterate that, that like wherever you're at on your journey is where you need to be at, whether you're working with Gaia and earth-based stuff or whether you are working, you know, in the Pallades or wherever you are, wherever you are is where you need to be. And I think that we all need to, you know, do better at kind of, not making it like oh this is this is like the next cool thing in spirituality yeah because it's honestly a lot more inherent to our spiritual experience in my opinion than we realize it's a lot more inherent yeah. into our human experience than i think we're prepared to accept mm -hmm. in my opinion um in terms of galactic connections that have been here on the planet mm. Um, it's so true. And honestly, a lot of the apprehension that I felt from folks in the grand scheme of things comes down to the fact that time beyond our third dimension is really confusing and in some sense, not even a thing. So when we connect to beings from different star systems, we can find ourselves connecting to those beings on a different point on their timeline every time that we connect with them. Yeah. So particularly this came through for me recently when I was thinking about my connection and understanding to Orion as a star system. Orion, and this is just from my perspective and my truth, you can go on into your own you know, research, whether it's firsthand in meditation or online, but you'll find some information about the Orion Wars and how Orion was a place of deep polarity, deeper than even what we've experienced here on Earth, meaning like the good and the bad, the good versus the bad. It's said that, um, God, who's the creator of Star Wars? Lucas, yeah. that guy. Like it's said that he channeled the Orion story when he created Star Wars. Wow, I've uh, never heard that before. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, like it's really like a true or very true like mirror of what occurred in Orion. Mm. And so that's one part of a huge timeline of Orion history. And you have to be aware of the tendency of the human to want to attach truth and meaning and fact to just one piece of the puzzle. Yes. Because recently I've come into awareness that 
there's another, you know, way down the timeline in Orion history, there are different kinds of beings. There's a different frequency that one might say is ascended or awakened or has moved past that deep polarity and the pain of the empire and, you know, the souls that were in a way trapped in an incarnational loop on Orion. I connected to this other part in their timeline that doesn't feel that way anymore. And there's actually so much else that we can learn from Orion other than remembering and accepting and healing the pain of Orion. You know, a lot of my connection to Orion on a soul level has been working through the pain of duality and feeling like a victim, having been a victim and in a way as well, having incarnated as the oppressor. You know, a lot of people work through these themes, whether they connect to Orion energy or not, this story has roots in Orion. But there's also a different spectrum of Orion energy that has grown from those lessons. And we have so much else to learn from Orion. And this goes beyond into connecting with Syrian energy, connecting to Pleiadian energy. That's why I believe that, you know, we can connect with galactic guides who are so different, but, you know, let us know in our clear knowings that they are from a system that we perhaps don't associate those personality traits with. You know, I've seen talk of, you know, Pleiadians being so benevolent and good and all about the collective and all about, you know, really like heart chakra kind of resonance. But then I've also heard of Pleiadians who are a little more selfish, a little more, you know, just get the job done kind of energy. Whether that's, you know, differentiating between a collective energy and an individual energy, or it's differentiating between Pleiadians on one part of their timeline versus another is up to your own discernment. And it's precisely another reason why discernment is so important when working with galactic frequencies, because we have very, our only reference point for galactic energy is ourselves. <laughs> like really. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. If we know ourselves, the more that we'll know galactic frequency that much deeper. Yeah. I feel that so much. Um, yeah, because for, for me, being on this on this journey, like the best stuff that's come through for me, like the the stuff that really feels like, oh my goodness, that was wild, that was felt real, that felt like it was for me, and I actually experienced that. It was stuff that's happened to me in dreams and meditation, um, way more than what's in books. Because all these books and these blog posts, it's like, well, this is that person's view of it. It's kind of like if you live on planet earth but you know you live in one town and you never leave your whole life like your experience is going to be very different than somebody who has like traveled and seen different places like you're going to have a completely different experience of of that place um so yeah i like i just i feel that so much with the whole um you know some of the you, you might be tuning into like different different timelines but i also feel like to just say like you know oh well i connect with palladian energy it's like well what like <laughs> what kind <laughs> like what kind of palladian energy because it's like saying oh i connect with the energy of humans <laughs> like oh okay well you could be connecting with some really high vibe amazing stuff there or you could be connecting with something that's maybe a little um a little bit lower lower vibe than perhaps you really want to 
Yeah, and in knowing that, it's just a reminder that these beings are not, like, greater than thou. (laughs) They're, if, you know, to put it simply, like, they're human too. (laughs) Like, they're people too. They are just as flawed as we tend to be. And this, like, I feel like a huge reason why we've yet to see a physical connection with ET races is because of our history as humanity of, you know, viewing other beings as gods. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We either view them as gods or we kill them. Uh-huh. <laughs> like uh-huh. that's, that's what you're going to get if you come here <laughs> at this point in time anyway, hopefully. You know, it's not always going to be like that. Yeah, and we have to heal that tendency, you know, of we have to heal the God complex within before we see any real connection on the physical. And beyond that, I feel there's so much that has to happen. It's not like there's a protocol, really, but if we can, like, fix a lot of our preconceived notions of who ETs are or at least shift our perspective if we can shift what humanity's goals are as a group if we can really start to see us as humanity and not you know separate little groups yeah. oh, there's so much we have so much work to do <laughs> and I wonder sometimes like I literally thought the other day like do Syrians have like all these different languages like we do here on earth Mm. yeah probably probably like (laughs) but at the same time like maybe not because maybe and this goes back to this stems like with the story of the tower of babel in the bible how like humanity used to be like they used to all speak one language and at a certain point god I mean, I'm not too well versed in the Bible. I know you're a little better at this fix than I am, but if I'm getting the story right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, sorry for the assumption. Um, It's all good. uh, God basically struck humanity down for being too above itself in a way. It was getting too, we were getting too ahead of ourselves. And this is, you know, from the perspective that God was fearful of humanity, I'm assuming, and like wanted to create separation. And I feel as though this story, you know, if we take it out of the context of like, this is the truth and this is like the Bible and like, you know, the Bible is truth. If we just take it as a story, um, I feel like it is really telling as to what needs to happen moving forward in order for us to reconnect with ET beings. Because if it is true that the Syrians are all united and speak one language, how have we gotten to this point as humanity that we do not? Mm -hmm. How have we separated to the point of not resonating on the same frequency from our vocal cords in order to express what we mean, which is really what happens when we speak when we communicate, we are resonating a frequency from the tool that we biologically have to do that. It, it all feels like 
a lot of work to do, <laughs> but I feel like if we like get going little by little, we and then we start to unite humanity. It may take longer than we today in this spiritual community. You listener, like a part of this generation, might want to think. You know, we're all itching for some sort of big thing to happen, whether it's disclosure or what. I honestly don't know if it's going to happen on our lifetime, but the work that we do now is going to be so important for generations to come to make that disclosure a reality. Yeah, I feel that a lot because it is, I think that like one thing that I, as a, as a star seed, as someone who resonates as a star seed, one thing that I find just so frustrating (laughs) is like, you know, just looking around at the world and how, um, you know, how much division there is and how much anger and hate there is on this planet. Like, and I think this is something that a lot of starseeds really struggle with too. And like, we all have this kind of, well, I, I personally have this sense that, you know, I chose to come here to help in some way and to help raise the frequencies of this planet. And, you know, you go about your day and you're just like, oh. <laughs> um, what am I supposed to be doing? Because <laughs> there's a lot of work to do here. And you can often feel like your little impact is not really doing anything at all. Um, but, but I feel, you know, like you, I feel like, but, you know, there's so, there are so many of us here who are doing that, whether we're conscious and we're calling ourselves starseeds or not, there are a lot of people here who are really trying to do the work. And yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in our lifetime, but hopefully whatever happens, we do make a change and we do make a shift and we do make things better for whoever comes next. Yeah. And I think a part of the, I think a part of the reason behind perhaps the starseed dilemma of, oh my God, there's so much work to do mm-hmm. <laughs> is because as souls, when we've incarnated previously or really it's not previous because all time is happening now. So concurrently when we've, our soul is incarnated as these in a way, higher dimensional beings, lifetimes are not as short in those incarnations as they are in a human incarnation. And if your soul is actually experiencing a lot more of a diverse galactic experience than just, you know, the human experience, you can feel this tug to shift time in a way that isn't necessarily all too possible in the third dimension. Yeah, I feel that all the time. I feel that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like, don't you feel sometimes like time is crazy? Like, it feels so slow, but then at times it's so fast. Yeah. It's- I feel like, yeah, I feel like I don't understand time. like like some things that happened to me when I was like you know 12 years old feel like they were yesterday and then other things that happened yesterday is like that's just like feels like a million million years ago you know and then yeah it's it's weird it's just like it doesn't yeah I find it I find it a very complex thing which I think we all probably do in some way yeah and I think it calls to another starseed trait in a way which is that in in my opinion that 
it's resonance that matters more than the timeline. Mm. Like you said, like something that happened to you technically years ago might still feel so true to you and so raw and visceral, but other things that might've happened yesterday, like you can't even remember. And that's not to say that that's only a starseed experience. Yeah. I think it's a very human experience, but I feel for someone who resonates as a starseed or perhaps is a starseed and doesn't precisely realize it yet, doesn't need to even realize it. You can just have these experiences of resonance is your frame of reference, not linear time. Therefore, calling you to recognize higher dimensional frequencies as truer to your soul frequency than the third dimension yet we still have to operate in the third dimension so it's a (laughs) learning curve (laughs) yeah yeah it's oh my goodness there are so many things that i still haven't asked you um one thing that i would really like to talk about which we probably should have talked about at the very start of this conversation what is a starseed In my opinion, a starseed is a soul who feels a true resonance with more of a galactic perspective, a universal perspective, someone who has experienced lifetimes on other planets and other star systems, and beyond that, also feels the call to take that knowledge and that resonance and empower themselves in this human life to make change for humanity that needs to be made for through whatever arena that might be so you might find your gifts come through in healing practices like reiki or even through you know being an oracle and tarot card reader um in the spiritual community, but you don't necessarily have to be in the spiritual community. You can make change for humanity everywhere. You don't have to be inherently steeped in the spiritual to be a starseed. But I've found that a lot of people are because it's a very comfortable place for souls who have incarnated in higher dimensional frequencies to be because as we raise our frequency, we are more spiritual and a lot of galactic frequencies are coming through in the spiritual community, but that doesn't mean that everyone is meant to stay here. Mm. So in short, I feel that a star seed is someone who resonates with galactic frequency and is ready to use that resonance and that knowing to help humanity. Yeah, I totally, totally resonate with that. What do you think about the idea that actually everybody is a starseed? Do you feel like everyone is a starseed or do you feel like there are starseeds and then there are other people who are more like earth seeds? I feel like there are absolutely earth seeds, but I feel like the majority of people are starseeds. The difference is, like I mentioned, the other qualifying factor of really being a star seed is wanting to have a mission and to, you know, here to be at the helm of our awakening. I feel as though 
it's impossible, like, it's almost impossible to have just incarnated on earth. I feel like most souls have incarnated in other star systems, but it's about how they resonate at the time where they are in their human journey that labels them as, or that, you know, you can label yourself however you want, like, but if you have awakened to the notion of starseed and it feels right to you, you're a starseed. Like, I really don't feel yeah. as though, like, all the gatekeeping in this spiritual community, like, really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that so much. <laughs> it's like, I understand in a way, like, wanting to differentiate yourself from other mm. people, but don't deny other people's experiences at the same time. Like, you know, let someone define themselves however often they may redefine themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's so, so, so important. Um, this is a little bit off topic, but it's kind of similar. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with like Mary Magdalene and learning about the Magdalene's. And, you know, I spent like, a really long time trying to like Google, like, how can I become a Magdalene? How can I initiate into the order of the Magdalene's? And then in meditation, you know, Mary Magdalene was just like, well, if you think you're one, you are one, <laughs> get over it. <laughs> like that's as simple as it is. Like if you feel like you're a star seed, you're a star seed, right? Yes. There's so much that we have to get over about mm -hmm. initiation mm -hmm. and rites of passage mm -hmm. and like hierarchy that we want to think is not a thing in the spiritual community, but it's actually in a way like the root of where all of these notions have come mm. from. You know, we spiritualize secret societies, no matter, you know, what their, you know, core values might be. If, you know, they're in the corporate world or if they're in government or whatever, like if you're making a secret club, like there's ritual behind it. <laughs> spiritual aspect yeah. to forming a dividing line between you and another person and that's been in our human history and in our galactic history yeah but now is not the time to continue that pattern in my opinion it's precisely the time to break it i feel that so much you know this again this is like off topic but i joined the rosicrucians for a little while because i was really interested in like their teachings and what they were doing and what they were all about and um, I, 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 so I signed up and they sent me like all this information, like in the post and there's like all this stuff on it. Like, do not share this with anyone. Like, don't let anybody read this information. And I was like, what? Like, this isn't, this doesn't really vibe with me at this point in time. <laughs> like, I don't want to keep this stuff hidden. Like I want people to be, like whoever resonates with this stuff to be able to find it. And of course we need to keep ourselves safe. I think that's really important. Um, but yeah, it's like the t times are changing. It's exciting. It's really exciting. And I think being a spiritual entrepreneur in these times is making it just much more, that much more exciting because what you're calling to really is this idea of like paid for information. Yeah. Are we sequestering that off only to like the select few who've decided to pay for that information? And does that make it exclusive? Yeah. In a way, 
but at the same time, money is energy. And when we give of our energy, you know, we are getting so much value out of that experience and that information, you know, as someone who offers, you know, courses yourself, how do you feel about that in relation to this Aquarian kind of information age and the starseed revolution? <laughs> That's such an amazing question. <laughs> I just love you so much. <laughs> like, oh my God, so um, yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to find that balance between like, um, you know, free the information and let everyone have access to everything because I, I feel like that is really, I feel like everybody should have access to all the information. But I also know not everybody is ready for all the information. So I, I, you know, I do a lot of shielding with my, with my, uh, with my website, you know, it's like whoever is ready for this can find it. Whoever's going to receive blessings from my work can find it. I know some people aren't ready for it. It's not going to make any sense to them. It's not for them. That's cool too. Um, but in terms of like charging, I feel like what I'm really doing is charging for my time. I don't charge for the information. So when I'm running the circle, for example, I'm charging for the time it took me to create that content, not for necessarily the information, if that makes sense. So like, you know, I create like a really beautiful, I hope it's beautiful meditation for people so they can tune into these energies for themselves. But that doesn't mean that if you're not in the circle, you can't tune into that energy for yourself. You know, it's just like, this is a way that I can support people who feel the call to be in that group. And with courses, it's the same kind of thing, you know, like all of the information that I should, well, most of the information <laughs> that I share is available in other places. Like if you have time to Google and you want to go and research it and whatever, like you can find that same type of information. But if you want to come and do a course where it's all organized for you and it's all, you know, it's all there and you don't have to do anything, you can just sign up and get access to it straight away. Um, you know, it's there for you. And the same with readings. I really feel like what I'm charging for is my time. I'm not charging people for like my, my gifts and my talents, you know, like I'm not charging people for that. It's like, I'll give that to you free, but I need to, I need to make money so that I can do this work. And the best way I can do that is if I charge for my time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I feel like the key resonating point amidst all that is a need to shift our perspective about so many things we need to shift our perspective about what money is mm -hmm. we need to shift our perspective about what we're even charging for yeah. shift our perspective of what we think we're going to receive when we pay for something yes <laughs> like just because we pay for readings and we go and have sessions with folks or we have all these courses that we sign up for it does not mean that we are automatically up leveled and more spiritual than thou like mm. it's the work that you put in on your end and there's there's so much there and I feel it's precisely some of the messaging that I've been getting from my galactic guides and it's not easy. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, Vix and I might talk about this. Like it's, you know, so fun and like, it is fun. It's really, really fun. And it's great to get to talk to somebody about this stuff. But at the same time, galactic work is as deep as it is like the universe big. Like it is so, mm -hmm 
it hits you at your core, which is why a lot of the messaging out there is, you know, make sure you're ready for galactic work. But at the same time, I think we, we are like, trust yourself that you are ready to make these shifts and that you're ready to change your relationship to money, that you're ready to change your perspective about not just what happens in the spiritual community, but how you react to things in your own life. Galactic guides are shifting every aspect of our life. It's not as are all of our guides, but particularly galactic guides are, in my opinion, doing it from the perspective of we are trying to, you know, garner a relationship with humanity and bring humanity into the galactic society Mm -hmm. so that we can up level and start to, you know, interact with our universe in a different way. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like, I, I feel that so much because I really feel like for me, so much of the galactic work that I do, like I, um, I'm very focused on when I, when I call in galactic guides, I always say things like, and galactic guides from the highest realms of love and light, truth and peace, or, you know, some version of that so that I know I'm really connecting with like the highest vibrational galactic vibes that I can. Um, because I, you know, I do think there's a lot of other stuff out there too, but it's like, that's where we want to go. You know, we want, they're kind of like our big, you know, our big siblings out there who have been where we are and they have, they have shifted and they have risen from, from that and become higher frequency. And so to me, like working with those energies can help us to do that. And it can help us to do that in our own lives, um, which, you know, it then ripples out, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully eventually it gets the whole planet. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that reminded me of is the fact that just because you are setting the intention to connect with beings of love and light and for a highest and best doesn't mean that they are without lessons for our shadow. Yes. Yes. I think that's a huge distinction to make just because we set the intention for love and light. It doesn't mean that the shadow isn't there because the brighter, the light, the darker, the shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found that very much on my journey. Like, you know, you think like, oh, I'm going to like get really serious about my spirit, really serious about my spiritual stuff. <laughs> and then, you know, the more like high vibe stuff that you start uh, connecting with, the more you realize, oh my goodness, like I've got some serious work to do, <laughs> work to do on myself and my own stuff. Um, a lot of people say things to me, like people who don't really know me, people who see me online or whatever, like, oh, she's so love and light. It's like, yeah, it takes a lot of shadow work to, <laughs> to be this love and light. Like there's a lot of work going on that, you know, maybe I don't share on Instagram because it's, you know, not appro- not appropriate or I don't feel like it's, you know, appropriate for me. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, Vix, this has been like, <laughs> it's been easy to talk about this with you in a way that feels so good. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, we've gotten into a lot of stuff. We have. Um, I still have two more questions, if that's okay. I try yeah, and, no, totally. totally. Um, one thing, again, that we probably should have talked about at the very start is, like, what is really the difference between being a starseed and connecting with galactic guides? Oh, my God. I have notes on this. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> okay. I personally don't feel as though if you have a galactic guide, you are a star seed. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same, in my opinion, as if I were to find the resonance of one of my guides to be Native American. That does not mean that I, on a soul level, have a Native American connection. Mm-hmm. I feel like just like you can talk to people from all around the world in like a human sense, doesn't mean that you are of their frequency. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I've heard it said that like all of our guides are just aspects of our higher self. And at a point in my journey, I believed that, but now I'm at the point where I can discern when one of my guides is just an aspect of my higher self and when they are someone who is just, you know, a pal in the spiritual realm, like just like someone popping in. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it doesn't always have to be a TV like that. It could just be, you know, somebody has reached like someone's connected with your frequency and been like, Oh, I'm going to come and give you a hand with this stuff. Yeah. I wonder though, you know, like, um, cause I, I have guides that pop in sometimes that are actually, you know, like past life versions of myself. Yes. And I haven't had this experience, but I expect that for some people, your galactic guides could actually come through as kind of either, you know, your, yourself, it like who, you, you know, who you were or who you are <laughs> in a different, on a different planet, in a different star system. Um, but also I feel like a lot of the time it's um, with galactic guides for me, a lot of the time it feels like my, soul family if that makes sense like you know some of us are here some of us are there some of us are somewhere else absolutely I I totally feel that yeah yeah um okay wait there's more there was like a thousand questions I wanted to ask you there's like we we need to do another like a part two of this I think because like even now I'm getting like more and more questions this is a little bit random and not really that much to do with what we've talked about. But um, I, I just was wondering what your opinion on the greys are, because I've heard so many different things about what they're up to now. And I'm curious about what your thoughts on that are. Right. So to preface, (laughs) (laughs) to preface, this is my perspective from what I've learned both through my own channeling and through my own research, research that if I could right now, like quote for you, I would, but I'm not a walking encyclopedia. Mm So take this with your own discernment and with a grain of salt and listen with an open heart. So I mentioned earlier that I have a guide who is a Zeta reticulin and Zeta reticulins are the source from which the DNA codes for the greys were taken from. A lot of galactic history has to do with getting down to the source of a being's DNA and doing something with that, whether on a conscious level from, you know, the society's perspective, you know, filtering that DNA and like making it better 
you know, and they want to do that or someone actually infiltrating and abducting that being and, you know, using their DNA to create what happened with the greys, which was essentially biological robots, biological beings that are all clones and they are used by beings of the dark in a way, you know, beings who do not have everyone's highest and best at heart. Um, they were used to basically be like an army. Um, and the greys in that sense, you know, have autonomy, but to a point, like they report to higher ups in the galactic hierarchy or their sense of the galactic hierarchy because galactic frequency is not without hierarchy just like in human society you can find places where you know there is plenty of hierarchy and there's plenty of you know ladders to climb to get to the top and there's bureaucracy but then there's parts of human society where you know you don't find that the microcosm is a mirror of the macrocosm so the greys are largely behind a lot of the abduction experiences that humans have ex well experienced throughout history. I truly believe that it's not only been happening in, you know, since the 20th century. I believe that the greys have been abducting humans for a very long time and whether or not, you know, it has been in accordance with some sort of deal that the greys made with you know, secret societies and our government on this planet is not something that I have a strong opinion about. But basically, at this moment, I feel as though the greys, if we're connecting to the greys in our present timeline, the abductions have stopped, not because of some sort of shield that I've seen, heard of, I've heard wind about, um, you know, maybe that the Pleiadians put up, you know, and now these beings can't get through to Earth. I don't necessarily feel that's even the case. I feel strongly that the greys are not rebelling, but like coming into their own and remembering their Zeta Reticulin roots. Mm -hmm. And along the way, as we rediscover our galactic connections and as we reconnect with our galactic family we're going to see a new relationship form between humans and the greys that eventually leads into a race called the Esasani, who a lot of people connect with um i believe saint germain is said to be an Esasani, like one of these channel or mm, i'm really bad with like the names of all these beautiful beings who bring through higher dimensional information, but there is an Esasani being currently being channeled on a really large scale. Um, and the Esasanis are in essence, a blend of future human DNA, very far down the line, future DNA and the greys, because the greys have found that they are no longer able to clone and have the clones be viable, you know, life forms. You know, they've decided to experience source and, you know, their soul incarnations in a 
different frequency and reconnect with the emotions and the spiritual aspects of source consciousness that they lost over millennia of being grays as opposed to being zeta reticulans because zeta reticulans are very spiritual zeta reticulans are very poised and you know sovereign but the grays have a very hive mind kind of frequency to them and you have to also be aware that if you decide to connect with the grays and that frequency set the intention to connect with them in their ascending state because otherwise you might feel i don't know like and this goes for everything like set the intention that you want to connect with galactic beings that are for your highest and best because you know in my truth it is true that you know not every galactic you know star race has had humanity's best interest at heart um whether or not they truly cared about the results of you know whatever experiments they performed on abductees or not i don't know i'm not a gray <laughs> and i don't have any abduction experiences personally but there's a lot of fear surrounding connecting with the grays and people think that you should, you know, totally ignore that spectrum of galactic frequency. I would say, you know, actually, yeah, connect with it, heal it, work with it and do it from a sovereign place, from an intentional place, because down the line, you know, in a future timeline that we can't even begin to imagine at this point but as I, we've said you know when you connect with galactic frequency you end up at some point connecting with future versions of these different star races the Asasani are going to become a thing some people are already channeling Asasanis in our human society today so there is an integration that will happen and perhaps part of that integration comes from healing the fear that humanity has of the grays yeah yeah because there's definitely like a collective fear <laughs> of the grays big time it's a collective fear of aliens in general yeah yeah which you know even i say aliens because it's easy to you know, just it's easy to then understand what I'm talking about when I say aliens as opposed to interdimensional beings or extraterrestrial. I mean, people get what extraterrestrial says, but aliens is like everyone knows that. Yeah. But the term alien isn't precisely even correct if we're talking about, you know, humanity from a galactic perspective, which we mm. we should. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, but that's definitely um, a lot to think about. I remember, like, when the X-Files came out in the 90s, mm -hmm. like, I, it gave me, like, like I was just terrified of, of Grace from that, like, for a really long time. Like, I couldn't sleep. I was, like, convinced they were coming for me, <laughs> like, all through my teen years. Um, but it's interesting, you know, like, the, the feeling... It does feel like it's changed like recently i do feel like that's shifting and it's you know it's interesting to see to hear people's um views on that and like you know why that why that is but it feels, yeah, good. It feels like we're going in the right direction 
I do too. And I think it's valid to consider that perhaps the Pleiadians or the Syrians or whomever has created a you know, net of white light around the earth and that's why the ejection stopped. Mm. Perhaps that is you know, the case on some level, but I also genuinely feel like the greys have opted to stop that on their own. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Oh my goodness. I've talked to you. That definitely got woo-woo. That definitely was. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we could keep keep going. (laughs) Just go to so many places. But for we'll say that for another episode okay um one uh, well actually okay a couple of last things one one sort of second last thing if people listening are are kind of new to the starseed thing and they want to start connecting with their galactic guides what do you feel like is the best way to start to connect with like galactic energy oh for newbies this is is a loaded question because (laughs) no you know (laughs) you know when you're asked a question and you know that the answer that you would give based on your own experience is not precisely what you would suggest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels for me because what I did was looked externally for a lot of information, whether it be YouTube videos or reading books and like seeing what other people had to say. And then filtering that through my own discernment and coming to my own conclusions. While I don't think that that's a whole, a wholly negative thing to do, I don't think it's necessarily the right first path for someone who's interested and knows absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I think you should look into yourself and set the intention to connect with Pleiadian energy, for instance, in meditation or before you go to sleep, start recording your dreams, start, you know, whether you write them down in a notebook or actually record you speaking, you know, about what the vista looked like and what the feeling was, like start to create your own library of information, knowing that your intention for connecting with these beings is precisely enough at that time and perhaps even you know at all times your intention is very very powerful so i do think it's appropriate at a certain point to look beyond yourself and start reading some books and finding those books along your path that resonate with you on your own is what it's what's right, in my opinion. I think the books that come to you, the books that come recommended to you that perhaps catch your eye at the bookstore, you know, that's the book that you should read. That's the video that you should watch. I think going at this with an obsessive researcher's kind of mind that I kind of honestly had in the beginning is not, it, it can lead you with more questions than answers. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel very much the same way because I, you know, I probably didn't research as obsessively as you did, but I definitely spent a lot of time on, you know, doing the quizzes and like reading all the blog posts. And, um, you know, I must have, I think I've started like probably 10 different, like started reading 10 different books on 
um, on galactic energies. And so many of them, you know, get to like the, like the second chapter or something. I'm like, this doesn't resonate. <laughs> like this doesn't resonate with me. Um, which, you know, it's cool. Like I'm glad that I'm at that point where I can just be like, mm, this doesn't, this isn't helpful for me. So I'm going to put this down. Um, but yeah, I, for me personally, like my most, amazing experiences with galactic energy has been in meditation like where I've been you know conscious enough to kind of be able to control what's going on um so that if anything does get scary or weird like I can pull myself out of it but to just kind of let myself go to these places and you know see what comes up and I know for some people just starting out they might not be able to kind of like visualize, oh, suddenly I'm in this place and there's a pyramid and there's two moons and there's all this stuff going on. Um, but, you know, you can take yourself there and you can see how you feel and you can see if you get any, like, you can just see what comes to you. Like, what what are you feeling when you connect with that energy? Like, um, what thoughts are coming in for you? Like, what colors do you see? Like, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I think one of the biggest reasons why I say avoid the books and the videos at first is our tendency to unconsciously take what we read and what we see when we're researching as fact. Yeah. When yeah. really, you know, it's just written from another human's perspective. Yeah. No one is greater than you. Even if someone might have more experience researching this stuff or you know channeling this information or may have set the intention more often than you have to connect with Syrians it doesn't mean that they are a better source of this information than you are you are you have something to share and we all have a puzzle piece to add to this picture of what our galactic history is what our human history is and how we're going to build the bridge to connecting with our galactic community yeah because we all have like such totally different um well we're all we're all really different and we're all going to want to connect with different things too so like i mean we've been talking a lot about Palladians and the syrians but they're just you know like the very tip of the iceberg of how much is really out there like i've done readings for people where i've like experienced them on some really distant like planet and it's like I have no idea what this realm is or what this planet is but you know you're the only person I've ever like got that vibration from um and there just aren't enough books out there to like, cover all of the stuff so going inward is definitely um what I would recommend as well and using discernment on the stuff that we are reading about for sure mm -hmm. um okay my last question is about you and how people can find you and how they can work with you. And I also want you to tell everybody about your deck. That looks so amazing. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. So I'm Starbound Earthseed on Instagram, and you can go to starboundearthseed.com to find out how to work with me. I do soul channelings for folks. I'm an astrologer, so I work through your birth chart intuitively and intuitive birth chart readings. And I do also offer past life or really parallel life readings to tap into what lives and what frequencies of your soul are most resonant for you right now and where those lessons are for you right now. Um, and in terms of the tool that is releasing very soon, um, might already be out there by the time this episode comes out, who knows? Um, I made an Oracle deck or really channeled 
an oracle deck called Arcturus Speaks. Arcturus is a star race energy, a galactic frequency of the Arcturians. Um, and this is a deck that has taken, it's really like the culmination of a large part of my journey as a starseed and moving through creative blocks, mental blocks, and allowing the light language and the channeled symbols of the Arcturians to come through over my own uh, digital art creations. So there's 44 cards. It's a small little like poker size deck. You can just toss it in your bag or your pocket. It's meant to be a way for you to stay conscious of your galactic mission and your galactic frequencies. And it's 44 different lessons that the Arcturians want to impart on us at this time for our highest and best to help with our ascension process. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Casual. Yeah, it's just, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just another oracle deck. No, but really, like, a huge part of my, like, the reason why it's taking me so long to put this out has been letting my ego both step aside and take ownership of this creation because it was channeled. These light language symbols are, it's light language. It's, you know, a way to impart frequencies of, you know, higher dimensions through the written language. Um, and though I created the art, none of it feels like it's my own. And at the same time, it's going to be for sale on my website, you know, through my brand and all that stuff. Like, it's really been a marriage of accepting where the information has come from while also owning that I was the vessel through which it came through. And it's been really humbling and really, really healing for my solar plexus and sacral chakra and like all that shit. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you can check out uh, the Arcturus Speaks Oracle on my website. Again, that's starboundartsy.com. Uh, Pre-orders close on February 19th, but maybe by the time this is up, they'll be open for regular sale. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, and I'll put all of the links as well in the show notes and on the blog post that goes with this episode so everyone can find them really easily and check you out and everything that you're doing. And I'm just like so, so grateful that we got to have this conversation today because this was like not a conversation that people like, people get to have every day. So I feel really honored that we've been able to, you know, just sit in this space and talk about all of this stuff so openly. Um, so thank you so, so much for being on the podcast, Sasha. Thank you for having me. I honestly, I feel the same. Like these sorts of conversations are the ones that spark change in people and also like in ourselves. Like I feel like, I need a bath after this, but like in a good way. Like I just need to like digest everything that came through. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to like listening to it again, like outside of the conversation and just kind of listening to everything that comes through. Um, yeah, because I bet there's some, I bet there's some really good stuff in here. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you so much, Sasha. I'm sure we'll see you on the podcast again. <laughs> 
Thanks everyone for listening. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye. You've been listening to New Age Hipster Radio. For more good vibes and spiritual goodness, head to newagehipster.co. Thanks for listening and peace out.